Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that the only reason your customer buys anything is because of perceived value, which makes value job one for you in your business. Today, I am pleased to welcome Pete Romano, who is the founder and CEO of Segwick, a company that does technology and consulting in the sales and sales performance industry, roughly. Um, Segwick is a customer relationship management or CRM business. Pete, welcome. Hey, Mark. It's really good to be here with you. And um, you've, I mean, you've put the, the big player in that um, business, their stock symbol is CRM. Um, right. And, right. and but. Talk about David and Goliath. Yeah. And, but um, even in your, in, in everything you do, you, you combine something that that uh, Salesforce does not, and that is the consulting and helping customers become successful. Um, the big company relies on partners to do that. And you kind of take ownership of that, which does something significant and something valuable for your customers. Well, um, yeah, that, that's one of the distinguishing uh, characteristics. Uh, I, I, I come from a long history of working directly with clients uh, on marketing consulting and, and uh, producing uh, creative projects like web and video. And, and so when I evolved and, and got into the, the more of the technology side of uh, small business work, uh, I, I, it wasn't sufficient enough to just give somebody a technology solution and say, okay, well, good luck. Uh, let us know if you have any problems. Uh, I've been trained to be just heavily invested in the success of our clients. And so uh, taking them under our wing and ensuring that uh, they're successful with Segwick is the utmost priority for us. And, you know, it's, it's simple and it's intuitive and it sounds obvious, but it is so not apparently. <laughs> well, I don't want to speak for the for the other companies, but um, uh, again, there's something that makes uh, Segwick unique that we're local, that we're just a phone call away, uh, that we do the consulting and we have the platform to back it up, uh, and so it is a rare occurrence. But uh, I would say, I would argue that. Uh, what makes us the most different, you were getting back to their, their stock symbol being CRM. Uh, for, for a number of years, as we were developing our product, uh, people would ask the right question. They would ask, well, Pete, what, what distinguishes Segwick from all of the other CRMs? And we know that there's a lot of them. And, and I would, uh, at first, I didn't really know. And as we developed the product and as we developed the product, I, I started to recognize that this is not really a CRM. That, that we're actually forging our own category that we, we really call customer journey management, CJM. And I'll, I'll just give you one quick uh, explanation about what makes the difference is uh, what makes that different than a CRM is that our platform, Segwick, is much more focused on the experience of our customers' customers, whereas CRMs are focused generally on 
the experience of the businesses that use it. We look past the businesses that use it, ensure that they're able to provide a good customer experience and give the companies a tool to make sure that they're delivering that experience really, really well and very highly elevated. You know, you're being really modest when you, you know, say you, you don't want to take shots and you're being very wise. Uh, so I'll do it for you. Um, I was a consultant with the world's largest business to business sales training company. And we would integrate our tools with CRM, not CJM, but C, you know, all of right. the major CRM companies. And there were the, the struggle with CRM is that it is a tool for the sales manager. It is the tool for the executive. It does nothing to help the salesperson do their job better. It right. does nothing to actually build a relationship with your customer. Right. And so it's, it's this ironic name uh, that it's about customer relationship when really it's a, it's a compliance tool. We actually, they bought sales training to get salespeople to use that tool, which is totally backwards. I, I knew I was going in the right direction when I would talk to people and I wasn't even formally uh, interviewing them, but just as I started to talk to my colleagues and clients more about CRM, I, 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 they would start to confide and they would say, oh my God, I hate my CRM. Oh, I'm, I hate this. I never use that. I don't know how to use this. It's, I'm just paying for it month after month. And I, I don't know like why, why I'm paying for it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you what I believe the most critical mistake that every business makes when they go out into the market to, um, to, to find a CRM for their business. This, this is the most critical mistake is that it, it's, it's, a, it's an error in process. In other words, when most companies go out into the market, they, they, they decide they need a CRM, they decide they have software, they look at solution A and they say, well, what does this solution do? What are the features? They look at solution B. Okay, cool, what are the features? They look at solution C. And they're at a disadvantage by saying, what does that software do and how can I use it? The right way that a business ought to approach uh, a CRM adoption is to forget about what's on the market. Forget about all that. Stop and go to the whiteboard and start to map out how you want your business to run. How do customers flow through your business? When you get a lead, what is step A? What is step B? Well, how does this communicate to this department? How does this communicate to that department? And you lay that all out first, and then you build that. And that's the right way to approach any technology adoption. Yeah, it's universal. And it's not just in CRM. CRM is a symptom of a widespread pandemic uh, right, of, right. of self-centeredness in salespeople. And as you said, we, we talk about what we do and we force our customers to translate our features into their own outcomes. Right. You know, what would happen if your salespeople talk to the customers about their own outcomes and did the translation for them saying, here's an outcome you can achieve and here's the way we help you achieve it. But most important, let's keep talking about the outcome and how we can make that outcome better. I was guilty of that early on as well. But you know, when we were developing our product early on, um, I, I, I received feedback, hey, 
you know, try to you know, listen to your customer more, listen to your customer more, like, like actually hear, hear what they're saying. And because we were struggling, we were struggling to find some adoption, we were struggling to find passionate advocates. And I had to consciously train myself to, to, to stop thinking, you know, this is what I'm building and take it. This is what I'm building and take it, take this product. I had to completely reimagine how I was approaching my relationship to the customers and put myself more in the subservient role of, hey, what is it that you need? You know, how do you run your business and how, how can I then tailor this solution to you? Yeah, you know, Pete, we all make that mistake for a long time, uh, relatively early in my practice. All I had to do was mm. say, you said you needed this. That's why this part of the proposal is here. You said you needed this. Here's the outcome that you wanted to deliver. And here's how we're delivering it. Right. You know, twice a year, then once a year, uh, and now once every year or two, I forget to do that. And customers are not the expert in your stuff. Right. They don't know the jargon that you have down on that proposal. And we've done a real disservice when we've told salespeople that customers self-inform and they know it all. And you just have to give them barf out your, your features. Right. And that is so untrue. Yeah. And, and, and it's not the features of your software that are going to get them, get, get, get them to be successful on, on a CRM. It is, yeah. It is the slow, deliberate adoption person by person uh, of the software uh, throughout the organization. Uh, And I've seen it countless times where people, uh, a marketing director or CTO signs up for an account. uh, They don't get any guidance on how to use it. They they don't have any plan on how to install it. Uh, They already have you know, two dozen other pieces of software that ought to be integrated, but integrations don't even you know, cross their mind because they've been sold this, this, this magic in a box. The, the, the software companies are very good at sort of selling you the DIY uh, aspect of their platforms. But, you know, just like most people can't build their own websites, most people don't know what their CRM should be. And when you're a small business who's really focused on the trade that you're delivering, you don't understand the steps of a customer journey. You, you, know, you, you know what's sort of working for you, but if you have aspirations to, to make your organization better, you, know, you need to be made to question some of those things and you know, take, t- take your operations and really mold it. You know, Pete, you're, you and I are kindred spirits. Um, <laughs> yeah, in, in my book, Radical Value, everybody talks about value and they talk like they know what value is. And when you ask 19 people, you'll get 20 definitions of value. So I start my book with a definition because that disconnect has got to go away before you can actually talk about delivering it. Uh, remember, customers do not buy your product or service. They buy their own outcomes for their own mm. reasons. Right. So value has to be the desirability of those outcomes. Right. And that means the customer has to achieve them and has to believe they're going to achieve them. You have to connect your stuff to them. So once you have that definition that value is the desirability of an outcomes a customer believes mm. they're going to achieve from doing business with you. Well, it's a long wordy definition. Sorry, but it's, it makes sense, right? It makes sense. And it's actionable. You can start to see where you're falling down. So in your CJM business, you do the consulting to help people mm-hmm. get those outcomes. Right. Uh, 
50 to 70% of technology solutions, change management solutions fail to meet either some or all of the expectations. Right. And that means 50 to 70% of the time, the CEO is growling at the VP of sales saying you wasted a whole bunch of money. And, and then didn't you and I speak about last time how, um, how the experienced salesperson knows who they need to have in the room? Because if, you, if you're a large enough organization, medium, large, you have multiple decision makers, you have multiple different departments who have um, issues um, you know, that you know, re- concerns related to whatever adoption, you know, any, any change in the company is going to affect multiple different managers, multiple different departments, many employees. And so a good salesperson is going to be able to communicate those outcomes to the CMO, to the CTO, to you know, everybody down to the janitor who, who needs to, to clean up the, that will ensure that an adoption goes the best. Yeah, um, I I had a similar, I had this conversation a different way than you and I had it before. Think about your customer, not as a org chart or as a set of financial statements, but as a network of processes. There's a process for hiring, of training people, of, of selling, of marketing, of manufacturing, of procurement. So it's a network of processes. And most salespeople look at a single process that their product or service primarily touches and affects and improves. However, there are processes upstream and downstream in that network that your stuff also improves. Right, right. And typically the company who's trying to self-inform and who we mistakenly believe self-informs adequately, and the uh, some vice president or, or leader puts together a buying committee, that buying committee is really formed from people within that core process. And a great salesperson has the business acumen to understand those related processes and how you're going to make right. life better for those people and finds a natural ally from outside the right. buying committee and might actually expand the buying committee by adding a bunch of natural allies, a bunch of natural advocates and delivering a more comprehensive solution than the unsophisticated solution your customer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm self-informed. Right. Um, So, you know, you've you've seen my mediocrity loop where customers self-inform, which means they under-inform and then salespeople ask them or they misinform right or they misinform and then salespeople come in and ask what's your pain and of course the customer only knows to answer the pains and the and the aspirations the gains that they were able to research so they're only able to share this underinformed misinformed uh badly informed vision of the future and that's what the salespeople sell them and I think of then the elite person saying, here's a bunch of other outcomes that you can get. And let's let's talk right. about your business. Let's talk about growing your business, not the narrow thing you thought you needed, but let's find out what you really need. And, and think, think about this, Mark, the um, from, from what you're saying, you're, you're, you're describing the difference between uh, a beginner uh, an intermediary, uh, a great and an elite salespeople. You didn't use those words. I, I use those words, but you know, the, the, you know, a, a great salesperson will uh, align all of the interested parties, et cetera, et cetera. So, so 
you have a strong sense of what the right steps are to go about doing a sale. You, you've, you've analyzed, you've reflected on years of study, years of experience, and you said, hey, this is what people are doing wrong. This is what people should do right. But then bringing it back full circle, they, the salesperson goes out and they're using a CRM that is inferior to the process that you just said would yield success. Does the CRM have a position? Well, if you say that in order to close a deal, our natural allies are the CMO, the CTO, and the CFO. All three of those people should be on board and we should be talking to all three of those. Well, if you go over to your CRM and you go to put in an opportunity and you don't see those fields right in front of your face, well, chances are you're gonna fail even at this process that you've read in your book. You've studied the process, you've read the book, but now you're going into Tuesday morning and you need to do actual work and the CRM is not a reflection of what was decided was the best practice. And that has to stop. It absolutely has to stop. And yes, those are the, the practices of the elite seller, but your intermediate and your advanced and even your beginner sellers, it's not beyond their capability. It's not about mm-hmm. their beyond their understanding. It's beyond what they could self-direct and figure out for themselves. Right. But your elite sellers have figured it out. You can you can bottle that, package it into your CRM, Correct. and then give everybody in the sales force that process that the best sellers among you does so naturally. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, that, that's why I feel so strongly about not just stepping into the market, not just buying what you saw in your Facebook retargeting feed, but instead drawing out what your processes are and then finding a solution that is going to architect itself into your process without any compromises. Yeah. And so Segwick isn't a standalone software technology island. You actually do the the consulting and help clients achieve the sales result that they want by understanding their customer journey and building a process around the elite level customer journey that you should be doing. Yeah, so so we're very boutique at this point. Um, we're willing to change our architecture. We're willing to build custom architecture because we 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 are a consulting shop. We have uh, programmers at the ready. We have consultants at the ready to really analyze your given situation and make SegWit fit your situation like a glove. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, for many CRMs, the integration of an app would be sort of a horrifying nightmare, a custom app. You're, so imagine that you really want to get into this app world. You're, you're a high-end, uh, let's say, a trainer gym, and you want to compete not only on branding, but also on customer service. And so you've decided that you need an app and you need an app that allows people to buy credits of certain uh, workout session types and store those credits in a bucket. And you need your workers to have easy access to a terminal where you could see this transaction history. That would be a really, really heavy lift to make that uh, smooth and efficient in any of the uh, commercial CRMs that are on the market. Uh, but with Segwick, it was just a, an easy consultation job 
uh, and some programming to give our to give their customers a beautiful app experience, a beautiful booking experience, a beautiful e-commerce experience in an app that was connected to a CRM backend for the staff to, to use and manage and run their business. It's, it seems really obvious when you know a, a corporate leader reads something about customer's customer, and so few of them do it. And you've, you design your business model around success with your customer's customer, focusing on your customer's customer. I was gonna say, Mark, I, 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 if you would allow me to share a, a damaging admission here, um, yeah, I'll say this readily. My, my entrepreneurial experience began maybe around 2009 into 2010, got our for, first office around 2011, and, and we were doing marketing consulting. And um, I had no business experience before. It was my first LLC, maybe my second. Uh, I don't come from a long line of business owners, a blue collar uh, parents. And uh, I really built Segwick not for my strengths, but for my weaknesses. And so um, the inspiration for Segwick was really drawn from uh, Michael Gerber's E-Myth. It was one of the first books on business that, uh, that I read. And that really opened my eyes uh, and, and maybe a little bit too much. Maybe it was too well written because I, I didn't know, you know anything about anything about real business. And then his book gave me the confidence that, hey, if I just built this series of systems, then I'll be ultimately successful. And it wasn't until maybe two years later when actually my accountant introduced me to one of the commercial CRMs out there and it just blew my mind. And I, and I was shocked that the e-myth was not merging their concepts of systems and flows and repeated systems with what CRMs are providing. And I was shocked that the CRMs companies were not marketing themselves as the solution to what Michael Gerber was saying. And that was really the, the inspiration for Segwick was, I want a tool that a, an employee can just log in and run every step of the customer journey from this one place. And that meant, okay, well, the website needs to be integrated. Credit card processing needs to be integrated. Tele telephony needs to be integrated. Email systems, text messaging, quoting, and every, you know, now calendar booking is a, is a very popular thing or custom forms. And so every step that a customer could take in any given industry is a, what should be a, a customer journey node in Segwit. You know, brilliant, simple, intuitive, exceptional, unusual. Um, you know, uh, you. your your competitor's incompetence is job security for you. And <laughs> I hope so. From your mouth to God's ears, as my mother always said. I'm sorry? Yeah. I said, from your mouth to God's ears, as my mother always said. Yeah. You know, um, I love the business model. I love the philosophy behind Segwick. Is there like something that you wanted to talk about? Um, do you, in your consulting... Uh, here's yeah here's a story or or uh, something i'd like you to think about or share how everybody in segwick understands that under that helping your customers understanding their customers uh is the core to the to segwick's mission did have you had uh an innovation that happened 
from some unexpected or at a bigger company disallowed source for a, a business innovation? Is, is the question, uh, what, what kind of, uh, clarify that one more time. Yeah, so, sorry. Um, a lot of times in business, we expect innovation and business ideas to come from certain people, like the product development people or marketing people. Um, I know somebody who tells a story that uh, the receptionist had this brilliant promotional yeah. idea that grew the company. Right. And and the and the reason that receptionist could do that is because that leader had brought everybody in the company to understand the customer's business, how we deliver value, and so this receptionist was able to come up with a brilliant idea. Do you have any parallel stories like yeah. that? Yeah. So, well, we we were designed for small businesses. Uh, I, I brag or I cry that I've never worked for a company you know, larger. Uh, then, um, you know, as an employee, when I was uh, employed, I, it was never larger than 80, 80 employees. So that was my experience. I never worked at a large corporation. Uh, and so yeah, my bread and butter and, and, and my comfort level was always with uh, the small businesses, the, the, the locally owned businesses. And, you know, they, they're very good at running their trades. But, you know, they, they, they leave a lot on the table when it comes to operations. They leave a lot on the table when it comes to marketing. Um, and what I find is that usually they just need to have an open forum because yeah, the, the secretary can be an invaluable wealth of information about the, the quality of the inbound phone calls. How, how many, uh, where do they hear about us? Um, and, and if the upper management uh, isn't sort of asking those questions or isn't asking the secretary to, to get answers to certain questions, then uh, you're, you're losing valuable insights. But that but that person, that that one person along the customer journey, can be a wealth of information about how to clean this up. You know, but maybe nobody's just ever asked them. Maybe they're getting just a ton of spam calls. Uh, maybe they're getting maybe they're getting a large volume of confusing calls, like clients who called for a related service but wasn't exactly the service that they offered. So that might inform the marketing department that some of the marketing messaging is confusing or muddled. A quick example could be you're a, a personal injury law firm, but you're getting way too many calls for um, employment law issues. Well, that could be a problem with the Google AdWords campaign. It could be a problem with the messaging on the website. Um, and so that person along the customer journey is well informed enough to to make those, but nobody asks. Yeah. Um, I yeah I I am strongly of the opinion that we are coming out of as we come out of uh, COVID that we're going to have to learn a whole lot about how customer expectations and customer customer expectations have changed. And I think it's going to be so important for businesses of all sizes, sizes, excuse me, to understand their customer's journey and not to sell your stuff anymore, but to help your customer grow using your stuff, right. uh, which means becoming very other focused, very customer journey focused. Um, yeah. And that's not going to be 
the domain of the elite companies anymore. That's probably going to be the domain of the survivors. Right. Um, your thoughts. Um, well, what I've seen is people have been forced to uh, adopt technologies that they haven't always been comfortable with. Uh, companies are using more booking systems. Uh, companies are using online ordering. Uh, we've all gone out to restaurants now and, and there's no more menus in many restaurants. You have to scan uh, a QR code and you're reviewing the menu on the phone. Um, just right there, uh, I, I love the example of restaurants and other sort of retail short transactions. I, I love that uh, area because there's, there's so much opportunity for the innovative restaurateur to, to dominate within their market. Um, and a simple thing now is that people before the pandemic, if you gave them a QR code on a little A-frame cardboard stand on the table and you said, scan this for your menu, they would have all been up in arms. No, bring me a real menu. I want to read the menu. Now, uh, people prefer that or they're, or they're asking for that. And the innovative restaurateur will recognize that that's an opportunity for data gathering. You, you, there's no reason why you necessarily need to go from that QR code directly to the menu. You could ask them a quick survey. You could ask uh, for their you know, phone number. You, you could randomize it. And when I look at restaurants who get two or 300 seatings a night, whose clients come in, stay for an hour and a half and then leave, and the restaurateur is not gathering any information on those people, I, I just think of what, what an unbelievable lost opportunity this is. This person can be adding, you know, 1,200 people to their mailing list every week, you know, week after week after week. And, um, and so uh, that's one of the things I like to talk about over dinner. Uh, <laughs> dinner. I, I would love to have that kind of dinner conversation. Pete. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm kind of a geek. Yeah. So uh, anything else that you want to talk about, uh, get out before we wrap it up? Um, no, I just I just want to say you know, how, how great it is to, to, to understand your, your philosophies on sales. And uh, uh, I, I really appreciate what, what you have to say about, you know, the, the, the value becomes the, the desire. I, I can't say it as good as you do, but yeah. the, the, the desire of a customer to, to want your product is, yeah. say, say it better for everyone else. Uh, value is the desirability of the outcomes a customer achieves from doing business with you. Right. And so with that said, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll second that. I, I think we are kindred spirits and uh, you know, we're going to have uh, much success in the future. Yep. Well, thanks, Pete. Uh, and thanks for joining us. And what a great conversation. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And thanks for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we understand that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means your success in business is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be your dues cause you'll be singing those old don't know value
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.